This is episode 66 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. Culloden Moor lies but a few miles east of here. The 16th of April, you said. That's when history records the battle. Three days from now. All that work, and that plotting, the bloody hells we end up here. As you say, Sassenach, it wasn't from lack of trying. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Welcome, I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I'm so effing happy. I'm so frackin' happy that I don't have to do the hosting job anymore. (laughs) Blake, of course, got to sit in a different chair and take over the reins for the listener feedback for last week's episode. Because I, I I have a lot of performances in the summer. I'm a musician, as I think I've said a couple of times here on the show. I play the baritone saxophone. And the American Band, which is a wind ensemble. You were calling it a several things, Blake, that were not real. Yeah, so what, what is the actual, like, real term that it's supposed to be? So you can call it a wind ensemble, a concert band. Some people call it actually a wind orchestra. Okay. But John Philip Sousa-style music. So I don't even know what you were saying before. <laughs> I was calling it a pep band. I was calling it... You uh, called it a marching band. A marching band. Yes, not that at all. <laughs> that Not that. No, we're, we're a wind orchestra. So just picture, if any of you have gone to see an orchestra... It's like that, but with industry. I'm just happy I don't have to do it anymore. I, you know what? I am not made for the A-hole chair. I am made for the B-hole chair, <laughs> and that is that. That, that just, Oh, man, misery. I, I Actually, I feel bad for everybody uh, that had to they had to slog through they the hosting there. job that they I did. They did it. <laughs> and uh, what's, what's really special about tonight, today, my love, this episode? Oh, the first that we have Felicity with us. <laughs> Felicity's with us. That's exciting. That is quite exciting. You may hear some coos and cackles and uh, not uh, not cows. Not definitely not cows. Uh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not that. Hopefully, uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, but uh, yeah, Felicity's making her first appearance. Uh, I think for this season, as a matter of fact, for Outlander Cast, uh, and uh, that that is quite special. There she goes. So as you all know, Felicity is the original Outlander baby. Hashtag. <laughs> and uh, you know she she's just amazing. She's she amazing. Is. So uh, you know it's 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 fitting to have her back with us. Uh, so I like that. I like that a lot. Me too. Yep. All right, you're the host, my oh, island. All right, you're the host. What do you got? Why don't Thank you give God, me the host. your GBGs? Uh, okay. So uh, the good. Uh, Philip John, who was the director of this episode, I'm giving him the good. And I'm giving him the good because of Dougal's monologue 
and allowing that whole scene to breathe with Dougal and staying on Dougal's face uh, and and not giving you... I mean, clearly it was there to almost kind of trick the, 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 the viewer into thinking that Column was not going to die or that Column did not die, uh, which uh, ultimately, I, I suppose, is, is fine. But a lot, it, just seeing the emotion, the ticks, the, everything on Duel's face was just perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, Philip John did a great job, I think, all, all episode. Uh, so that's my good. The bad. Uh, the bad is the overall feel. Um, there is absolutely zero momentum, in my opinion, going into uh, the finale. And uh, it, because the finale is based on Culloden so far, at least from what I can tell. It's going to be Culloden in the future. Uh, and th- 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 the prospect of Culloden uh, is, is actually hampered down by the fact that we were relegated, I think, to what could be considered uh, like a third priority or what they would consider. uh, Whenever you have like a television show, they have A stories, B stories, and C stories, and so on and so forth. However many plot lines, you have a main one, which is the A, the secondary one, which is the B, and it goes, goes, you know, after that. So this, to me, felt like the C story. And how can you be building up to Culloden and relegate Bonnie Prince Charlie to the C story? And because of that, there is just zero momentum uh, going into the finale, in my opinion. But the great was what they did with Blackjack Randall. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know all of you out there are going to say, well, I'm a fanboy and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm team Blackjack and... And, uh, and that's not true. You are not Team Blackjack. No, I'm not Team Blackjack. But it, it, like, I'm, you're you're fan of Tobias. You're a huge mega fan of Tobias. Right. And and uh, honestly, I do like the character of Blackjack Randall. I like what he does for the show. Okay. I, I'm not saying I like him. Like I like his actions. I'm saying I like what he does for the show as you the antagonist. You find him interesting. Yeah, it's it's a good antagonist. Uh, it's the most electric character on the show, in my opinion, uh, for good and bad reasons. Uh, but what they did to Blackjack Randall, uh, not giving him the, the bright red uniform, uh, having him call Claire Madame Fraser, uh, Alex calling him Johnny, uh, it, it almost made him a humble and somewhat loving character. It made him human. I would not say somewhat loving. I'm. I would. I would say it made him more human. And we got to see. Well, he we clearly got see, loves his brother. I mean, yes. you, you can't. You can't turn that. You. You can't turn fact, not opinion. Right? It's literally like his one redeeming factor. That's what I'm saying. So it gave you something, and it made you almost feel bad for him. Only for like two minutes but of the that's show. That's what I'm saying. Yes. You're taking this <laughs> monster, you're taking this awful human being, like quite lit- quite literally an awful human being, yes. and it's making you say, oh, whoa. Like, I feel bad for you. Like the first time you see him, I get that. The first time you see Blackjack and Alex calls him Johnny and Mary Hawkins says, oh, he's been helping out. You're like, oh, there's good things about Blackjack Randall. When did this happen? Right. And, and then he reminds you later on the episode yeah, about and, and what then, a terrible person And then my ultimate is. point is it takes all of that and then it totally turns it back on its head again. Right. It totally turns it uh, in, into Claire and, and Blackjack Randall being frenemies and... 
making you realize this guy is not a human anymore. Okay. That's that was the great part. I I loved it. All right. My good was Murta. If I could if I listen, Blake, had I lived in Scotland and I not met you, I'd sign me up to be Murtaugh's wife. Oh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Time out. Time I just out. said, had I been in Scotland and I not met you, so you're you're telling me that you're choosing Murtaugh over Jamie? Well, Jamie's taken. Yeah, no, Murtaugh's no, no, no. single. Yeah, doesn't matter. Well, okay. If you weren't there and Jamie wasn't there, then I'd get me some Murtaugh. <laughs> you know, I never noticed his adorable freckles. Until he started to be so tender, mm-hmm. but how he would marry Mary and how it's okay. Like they, they learn to be fine with each other and get along nicely. I mean, it's, it's worked for Jamie and Claire. And what an upright man. My gosh, he just doesn't want the baby to go without mm-hmm. having a father. Of course, Claire had to, you know, ruin his, ruin his little hopes. But God, that just, I am on the Murtaugh train, but that's why. It's like, I just felt this whole different level of love for him, and I noticed how precious he was, and I just fluttered over his freckles, because I'm covered in freckles, too. Uh, My bad is the Bonnie Prince. So this has nothing to do with the cast, the crew, anything like that. I just... I literally hate this guy so much. Where the hell did you go? Get a freaking GPS. You have maps <laughs> upon maps upon maps and you got lost? Uh, were you yeah. drinking the birthday wine? Because you were drinking a lot. Were you Sassanok wasted? Where the hell did you go? Worst friend ever. And I love how he was like, oh, James, you're my best friend, except I stole your horse last episode and I left you. You're my best friend, James, and I'm going to screw you over again. Bonnie Prince, you're my bad for a long time. And my great was the brotherly love. So I have a brother, but I don't have like two brothers. And I've never really gotten to see like bros. You know, like real brothers. I've seen bro friends. But to see different types of brotherly love from really strong, strong men who who have really big differences. And I love to just to see um, how they reacted to death mm-hmm. and how there was different ways of love between them. Because as violent as Blackjack was and as, as terrifying as he was, Alex was the complete opposite. And then you had, had really a very different dynamic between Colm and Dougal. And so it was just really interesting to watch that. So that's my GBG, Murta, Bonnie Prince, and the brotherly love. <laughs> Let's talk about our kilt ratings. How much would you give this episode? So last night when we did the live uh, feed on Facebook, I gave this a Four point eight, and I think I'm going to put that down just a tad bit, uh, a little bit more, because again, there's just no momentum. There's there's no like oomph for the finale. There's no like, oh my god, I can't wait for the finale. Can you believe that happened? It, it, it was just. Is it because it didn't leave you off on a cliffhanger? No, Is that it... what you would have wanted? Because I feel like when the episode ends with this whole <gasps> cliffhanger, you're like, oh my god, that was amazing. Listen, I hate, I hate, hate, hate. To compare this to Game of Thrones, but I'm I'm comparing it to Game of Thrones because it's the most recent example. After Battle of the Bastards, you left that episode and you were like, "Holy f! I cannot! Holy frack! I cannot wait to see what happens with character X, Y, and Z," because there was momentum to it. Like the battle happens, and then the things with Daenerys happens, and 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 Jon Snow and. And Arya and 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 uh, uh, Sansa and the Queen and all that stuff—it all came to it. It was building to something really special. 
and then it happened uh, obviously so and in this in this episode it felt like it was like filler a lot of it and it was good filler it was a lot of great character moments and this is what saves it for me character 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 mm-hmm. characters informing the plot not the other way around so i'm bringing it down to 4.7 because while i did not like that there's no momentum there's a ton of great character oh moments. my gosh there's so much greatness i mean for it to be a 4.7 that is still extremely high especially coming from you this does not feel like a penultimate episode to me this feels like a mid-season perhaps even fourth or third to last episode and maybe that's because next the the final episode is 90 minutes maybe because that's gonna feel a little different here's what i have to say to that in regards to the game of thrones comment a game of thrones hasn't been written you read all those books you've known what was going to happen except this season is new to you you have no idea now mind you you have not read the books of outlander Yeah, I, i have no idea yes but but a ton of book readers have. So we're all sitting here saying, oh, we're so excited to see what we know is going to happen. But we already know what's going to happen. And to that regard, you, show watchers, already know what's going to happen. You already know that Claire is going back in time. Yeah. And then that also, going going back to the future. Uh, oh, yeah. Back in, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, that's what I mean. I, I think we needed... We needed to see that in the first episode. It was a really great way how they presented it. But you're kind of just sitting here twiddling your thumbs like, all right, they're going to Culloden. But, but even- they're, they're in Inverness right now. Um, yep, I think I know what's going to happen next episode. Here, here's, here's the question then, and it always comes back to this. And it, it's come back to this question a lot of times, which is, did the show show its cards too early in showing you Claire going back to the future? But then it comes down to character development. Once again, right. it's not so, about the plot. It's about, great. so that's what next week's episode is. And that's what you have to look forward to. We don't have to look forward to knowing something, like finding out something we knew. We know next episode, we're going to find out how, when, where, how, why Claire goes back in time. We've already figured out like 99% of those puzzle pieces, I'm assuming, right? As I said, you know where they are right now. They're in Inverness. They're heading to Culloden. Everything's lining up the same way. Right, but they 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 are building. They've built like they built to Preston Pans, right? And that was like a good, like regardless of whether or not you knew Claire was going back to the future, um, you knew something was going to happen, and it built to that. And this is the this is the penultimate episode. This is it. There's no more screwing around here. It almost felt like, wow, oh, well, we had so many effing loose ends to tie up. We got to tie them all up now so we can focus on Claire being in the future and Culloden happening. And it was like, okay, okay, stuff happened. And they have <laughs> the momentum building to Culloden just. Well, two people died in this episode. It was, a, it was a, you, we also talked about this too, which is, yes, you know that Claire is going back to the future. Great. So let's focus on the characters. Great. Let's build the momentum for the characters that are going to be in Culloden. And they didn't do it. But, 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 they gave us good character moments outside 
of what's going to happen. I completely disagree about building the characters that are going to be in Kaladin. We had some really precious moments with Rupert and Ross and talking about what would Angus say. Oh, we could say the same thing that Kincaid said. We got to just, I just professed my love for Murta. I just professed my hate for the Bonnie Prince. Everyone who's going to Kaladin, I have strong feelings about. But that was not as a result of this episode. All that stuff had already happened. What I just said. No, my level of love just went up and my level of hate just went up. I completely disagree with you. Mm. I agree on the fact that I'm not sitting here saying, oh my God, after that episode. Right. Okay. Yes. And maybe had it been left on a bit more of a cliffhanger for me, emotionally, then it would have felt different. But we just had to see two men that we've gotten to know die. It was a very emotional episode. Right. So I don't think it could have left that way. This was a heavy episode. Well, that's why I'm saying it was great for character moments, but it doesn't build towards Kaladin. This is the ultimate conflict. What it gave you was tying up everything else before Kaladin. My kilt rating is a five. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> Listeners, Holly How many, how many fives you got, have you got so far? Doesn't in a matter. Row? I, you know what my favorite number is? What? Five. <laughs> Why? My birthday is five, five. Five, five. Five, five. I like it's that. It's my lucky number. My my psychic told me it was my lucky number. That's it. I love the number five. All right, what does Holly got? Holly Richter White gives this episode a 2.5. You need like the, the boo soundtrack on that one. Oh, 2.5 hold, wait, hold kilts. On. Hold on, wait, I got it, sorry. I, I, I got it right here, where is it? Come on, come on. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna give you the boo. Oh my God. Where's your sound effects? There you go. <laughs> Holly says, it still gets a pass. Okay, I'm going at this assessment from two perspectives. Foremost, I am a fan and truly appreciative of their craft to adapt these books. However, first, as a screenwriter, this episode felt like filler. Sure, lots of secondary plot wrap up, but that was a penultimate episode. Is what a penultimate episode does? Uh, no, she just says the same thing as you watch the Battle of the Bastards. <laughs> so, you know what? Thank you, Holly. And um, she says the focus must always be on the protagonist, Claire, and indirectly Jamie. We really needed to be reminded again about BJR sinister. That was that was a beautiful word, sinisterism. Ooh, gotta make sure my lips and teeth and tongue are really working. Sinisterism to feed Claire's story as now, she now, led back <laughs> through the stones. So, did we really need to be reminded of that? Right before she's led back through the stones. The scene at the tavern on his character was unnecessary, as was the five and a half minute long scene. One scene equals three minutes max rule, by the way, with Dougal and Column. Even though it was very well acted, that had nothing whatsoever to do with the protagonist. Remember that being Claire. Why did they not build up the pacing in this episode? All this to say that would have left more time and scenes for Jamie and Claire. Jamie and Fergus. Fergus and Claire. And that would be relevant relevant to season three as we know, etc. And contrary to thought, I'll put on my second hat as a war historian and say that yes, people used sex as a distraction from war and drinking and games, etc. So really, they would not have gone away from reality. But in this episode, unlike recent ones, I was not looking for sex, just more scenes with connection, even if they are fleeting and left me wanting more for both Claire and Jamie, at least I would have had the emotion of it. So I'll give you this, Holly. I got you. I got you on that. It was long. And now that I'm reading it, you're right. I didn't really, I didn't grow with Claire at all in this episode. Thank you. It's okay. It's all right. 
But <laughs> the good thing is, is that Claire came out in the beginning of the episode and said, it's been five months. So <laughs> at least she doesn't have to have sex tonight because, you know, Colladin's happening in a couple of days. So oh, even if she man. had sex today, it wouldn't have wouldn't have uh, gotten her pregnant. Kristen Dow gives it three kilts for her. As always, the music, acting, costumes and directing were peerless. Yep. Okay, I'm going to say that word. I've never used that word in that way. But I am baffled that we keep Jamie and Claire running around with what amounts to hospice care the entire episode. All I can hope is that by tying up those loose point plot, loose plot ends. Man, I'm on, I'm great today. Where's my coffee? There it is. We can finally focus on them in the finale, and I will never understand the writer's choice to have Brianna's conception happen off screen. Preach, Kristen! Preach! <laughs> I'm not one for gratuitous sex, but come on! That's kind of a big deal. The episode is reasonably enjoyable in on a scene-by-scene basis, but the whole Mary, Alex, BJR story arc feels like busy work to wrap up all the plot details left flapping after Paris. And 18th century lass on Twitter tweeted, I would say at least four, maybe 4.5 kilts. It's a strong adaptation despite one missed opportunity between Jamie and Blackjack Randall. And Teresa Bishop Williams on Facebook gives it a five. She's a five lover like me. It lays the groundwork for 213, Teresa says. It wraps up the Mackenzie's wishes. It tells Frank's true lineage. It shows what a poor leader and soldier the Bonnie Prince really is, and his selfishness as well. We see the nobleness of Murtaugh and just maybe get a hint that Claire may contribute to the bleeding of BJR, which could be the surprise Ron is telling us about. People are complaining about the lack of sex. My goodness, people, we are at war and are worn out and scared to death. (laughs) Ready to get to the discussion for the rest of this episode? Let's do it. All right, but give it to me. Give me these facts. So the particular facts are The Hail Mary was the title as written by, I think, probably my Dream Team team. Did I just say Dream Team team? I, do you need my coffee? Apparently. You know what? I'm good drinking the Almond Joy variety by Dunkin' Donuts. That, that, it's delicious. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts and Almond Joy coffee. Uh, it was written by Ira Stephen Bear and Anne Kenny, who is, I think, probably my dream team outside of Ira Bear and Ron Moore. Directed by Philip John, who has had a number of episodes this season. And the DP, of course, is... Steve McNutt. And I will say, I also think that this episode is one of the very few written by two of the writers of, of the staff. Uh, usually episodes are, are written by one particular writer. One writer gets the credit. Uh, and I think... Uh, They're not written by one, but one is getting the credit. One's like, getting the credit. jump on it. Right. So, but this is one of the few episodes that two writers get credit, <clears throat> uh, which is actually kind of cool. I really like that. And if, if it's Ira Baron and Kenny, I'm in, baby. So that's the particulars. Hostess, Mary Larson, my darling wife, how are we attacking this one? We're attacking it with the person I hate the most, the Bonnie Prince. Okay, Because we're just we getting down to business, and All that's right. kind of how this episode was. So I just want to talk about like his, his group of wigged men, his little council. First off, I used to love Mr. McDonald, old McDonald who had a farm. One of the reasons I love him is because he doesn't need a wig. He has his own flowing 
gray locks and everyone else there has to buy their wigs and make them powdered and make them look right. And old McDonald is like, nope, I got this. I have really long hair. I don't use conditioner, but it's fine. But today I didn't like McDonald. How come? Why not? Because Jamie comes in and says, hey, guys, you know, it'd be a really stupid idea is to actually fight on Culloden Moor. It's flat. The British have all this artillery. What we should do is actually take a little break, a wee break, and uh, find that French gold that was coming over because then we can buy all the supplies, all all of the weapons that we need, and our guys can sleep and eat because... Go check outside what's going on. It's crazy town. They're not going to win. And you know what old McDonald on his farm says? <laughs> what am I going to tell Clan McDonald? He says, well, maybe the phrases can't do it, but Clan McDonald would win. <laughs> Go on your freaking farm, old McDonald. Oh. And, and that's how most of these guys were during this meeting. But- they said, sure, let's do it. And then the Bonnie Prince stands up and he says, I'm a man. Okay. I'm a soldier. And I'm a soldier. And he holds up pretty much needle from Game of Thrones. His little <laughs> it's it's literally like a little pencil of a sword. And I'm a soldier, he <laughs> says as he holds it. He holds it pointing down. <laughs> or oh. I don't even know how he held it, but I was like, is that a pencil? Because that is the smallest little sword I've ever seen in my entire life. That's what she said. Oh <laughs> So I was so disappointed. And he turns to Jamie and he says, You're my best friend. Really? Once again, you stole my horse. You made me go on like a crazy mission. Mm-hmm. And now I'm telling you like straight up facts. This is a bad idea. You know who it's great for? It's great for the British. And you're letting him down. And now you're telling me to go get my shine box. Yep. Like that is just not So good. this all happens. And then just to just to make things that much better, Jamie, of course, finds out through the blackjack, Randall, Claire, somewhat truce. There was no handshake, but there was a little truce. I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine. Blackjack Randall's like, listen, it's going to be a birthday party for Cumberland. Everyone's going to be there. They're going to be eating, drinking. Heck, you guys can go and steal some birthday cake. What, what? They're hungry. (laughs) And that would be a perfect opportunity to strike. Jamie goes and tells everyone this. He thinks we can do it. We can still change the trajectory. Yep, and it's good, and I, I like this because it still gives you, as the viewer, the the thought that you know maybe it will change. Maybe I mean, there's hope. Y- you have this sense of dread throughout the entire episode, whether it was, the whole season. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But really, specifically, this episode, uh, it, the dread was about Column. The dread was about Blackjack Randall and, and Alex and how how everything was going to be tied up together. But you had this sense of dread, like. Is all of this still going to happen the way that we saw that it was going to happen? We saw Claire go back to the future. You know, we where we're going, we don't need roads, mm-hmm. uh, right? We saw that, and that dread permeated throughout the whole episode, and I liked that, and it worked well for viewers, in my opinion. What didn't work well for me is his lack of GPS. <laughs> Jamie's there. He's ready. He's with his guys. Let's go. Let's go break up it was gonna be like wedding crashers except birthday crashers mm-hmm. and they were gonna go in take the party hat right off of cumberland's head and be like i'm gonna eat your cake bye and, that, and, Done. and the fact that it happened off screen lends itself to the bonnie prince the being bonnie off prince. screen yeah, yeah bonnie prince being off screen it lends itself to that kind of momentum just being yeah because what you saw was jamie show up and they're like okay 
time to go back. And historically, this is what happened. Historically, the, the Bonnie Prince stayed at right. that place, and historically, he did get lost. But and- why can't we shoot this more creatively? Why can't we write this more creatively so that we are building up? It was like, by the end of the episode, there was no like, okay, Culloden's coming, okay. I, I mean, there was no like, there was no... Uh, there was no moment when it was all going to happen. It, it just, okay, Kalad's coming. And then it went to black. And it it was like that because there was no, like, problems. There was no, um, like, there was no consequences. It was just, okay, we're, we're heading back. Sorry. And that's what killed the momentum, in my opinion. You know what I would have loved? I would have loved for Murata to look at Jamie while they're on that horse and be like, can we please go to America right now? Like, <laughs> seriously, we can just go down the other road, pick up Claire and Fergus, and we can go. Even if you want to take your guys, let's go. Here's something that I, oh, you know what? This, oh, okay, early outlandish theory. Murtaugh should have said, and it, it, it would have rhymed with the beginning of the season, let's go kill this guy. The Bonnie please, Prince? The Bonnie Prince. Yes! Please. That would have been momentum if they said we need to kill this guy yes let's go find him yes! and kill him and end it right now and if jamie said you know what shit i think we're gonna have to do that because now there's consequences or just go in claire's freaking medicine box and poison him he's drinking all the time he's sassanock wasted right poison the bloody fella you just killed column that is momentum. That is like oozing charisma. That is oozing story. Oh, because, I would totally kill him. I right? actually wouldn't. I'm a Gryffindor, but I would totally do <laughs> well, it. Well, I'm a no. Slytherin. Yeah, and, you, you could know, do it. You're a wizard, Harry. I would do it. But I'm saying that if Murtaugh said, we need to go kill him. We can't allow Culloden to happen. I'm not I'm not going to do it. And, and if, if ja- it left on that note. And if Jamie agreed, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't happen, even if you only touch upon it, even if. Jamie comes to his senses before he realizes, oh, we can't do that. At least you would have, it would have built to something. Yeah, that's how you would have liked to end the episode instead of them just like, oh, nothing happened. And I'm, and I'm, I'm great. I'm really happy that the, they're going with the historical like context of you know, they got lost and whatever. But it was just, you can make up anything you want outside of the actual historical accuracy. You can have Murtaugh say, let's go kill him. Oh my God, that that is an opportunity a little bit lost there. That's a that's a little bit of an opportunity lost. And but it's okay because they chose to stick with the characters, right? It depends on what you're watching for. Are you watching for this? As we talked about it in the in the listener feedback episode, this swashbuckling historical drama, or are you watching it because you are invested in the characters mm-hmm. and the. The way that they made this sing, this episode sing, you know, I actually kind of disagree, even though she's a screenwriter. I disagree with Holly. I felt that the Dougal column story, the, the monologue, that scene was the strongest part of the episode. Because even though also Dougal is one of those characters that just happens, like he's a, he's like a, a Swiss army knife, in my opinion. <laughs> for for the writers okay. like he does what they need he does what's convenient to the plot if the writers need him to be a badass he's a badass if the writers need him to be heroic he's a heroic if the writers need him to be the antagonist he's the antagonist but we finally actually got something genuine out of him which was oh my god i need to tell you how much i love you i need to tell you that you're my brother and i looked up to you 
and but you let me down and it wasn't even your fault mm-hmm. and he dies right before he could say Ugh. all of it and he didn't even know he was saying goodbye but he was saying goodbye and then i loved the line when he says something along the lines of I needed to say something and it's still in here. He said, so you turn on your back on me one more time. Everything I need to say to you is unsaid forever. Right. And mind you, Colm's last words to him is, your life is your own and I take no blame for it. Awesome. Oh my God, just take the knife and wretch it even more. (laughs) Your life is your own and I take no blame for it. Basically, you effed up. Right. Period. And I, and I loved, Mic drop. I loved the whole story with the horse and how he fell off and mm-hmm. all because you couldn't stay on the horse's ass and all of that. And he's banging his head like I, it's all in here. And and it, it lends itself back to what Colm said about Dougal. I have been crippled in my body my entire life, but my brother has been crippled in his brain. Mm-hmm. And he is crippled. He cannot get out what he needs to get. He cannot make the right choice and he's blinded he's blinded by his own opinions you know when people believe something so strongly that they rework the truth i mean column even says that he says when um when when they're discussing who is going to take care of the heir who is going to lead clan mckenzie Mm -hmm. and dougal says the clan would want me column says are you sure i don't think the clan would choose you because honestly if you were half as popular as you believe yourself to be then you'd have more men here today and in he, this and, army of yours and dougal knows he's right yes one thing that did concern me is like dougal came and i would have hoped that he would have been like hey can i please see the bonnie prince and just try to tell him this isn't a good idea but then he also tells jamie he says jamie i know that you would not lead your men into a losing fight and mm-hmm. that is why i'm choosing you and yet Hmm. Where are we going in a couple of days? Culloden? Right. Once again. Well, no, no. When the battle was lost, I think he meant you would take your men and leave because your men are what's most important to you. Whereas Dougal would fight to the very bitter end. Okay, that's what he was meaning. That makes more sense because I heard that and I was like, well, actually, Jamie is still here. Um (laughs) (laughs) Because Jamie himself admits, listen. Uh, if if you give me this position, I'm going to raise the banners for House Mackenzie, mm-hmm. and we're going to go to war. Yes, and that's that, and that's okay. That's okay. Th- that should happen, but but Colum knows the difference between Jamie and and Dougal. Dougal is just he's not using his brain; he's no. crippled in his brain. Whereas Jamie cares most about his men. Poor Colum. He did not look good. He arrived in Oof. his robe, all sweaty. poor thing why didn't they just pick him up you know this poor guy just pick him up he's probably a little bit too proud for that I feel like too proud but come on and okay so he dropped a bomb on Claire oh that Galus's baby baby. is alive and she's living in the home of William Mackenzie wow like hey which you know I'm really happy I'm glad they didn't burn her right away that they were like (laughs) uh there's an innocent baby in her belly right now we should probably just wait a little bit so that was really cool to find out and of course he comes to Claire asking for her help Mm -hmm. he comes he comes first and foremost to ask Jamie to take care of Claire Mackenzie and also to say hey Claire can you Give me the same stuff that Galus gave her husband. Right. Claire says, isn't that a sin? And he says, what's one more sin? And it was, it reminded me of when Claire was in in the Abbey and she was just talking about her sins Mm -hmm. and like, 
You know, or when was it recently that she just said, like, I'm just going to add another sin? When did she do that? I this don't season? Remember. I she don't said remember. some listeners, write in and let us know. But she did something else where she was like, all right, what did one you more feel bad about thing. Claire going all Dr. Kavorkian on us? Uh, did did you is that something that you think is the right choice for her? I'm not going to get into this because this is a very political topic, and I myself here's here's my stance. Well, no, no. What does it make I, you feel as for her character? Like, what does it make what does it make you feel? I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I'm saying what does it make you feel? It made me feel like Claire is a very compassionate healer mm-hmm. and that she hates to see people suffer. And that is why she works so hard to heal people so that she can help them, so that she can fix them, so that she can make them better. And she knows without any doubt that Colm is not only dying, but is seriously suffering. Right. right. And I think Claire's instincts are to help and heal and ease the pain. Mm-hmm. So, um, So I... I listen. I've never been put in this position on either side, so it's hard for me to say. But I just think that it is in keeping with Claire's personality. That's what I think, at least. I I would probably agree with you. I um, you know, regardless of whatever your politics are, whatever, who cares? What 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 matters most is what it make you feel. Yeah. And what what I felt was, this is what Colum wanted. This is what he needed, and he wanted to go out with I think the last bit of dignity that he had as him being the Mackenzie, as him being mm-hmm. himself. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll go there. And Claire could facilitate that. Now Claire, however, is not a good friend. She's a good healer. And <laughs> she tries her darndest with Alex Randall. Yep. But she gets caught in a pickle when she bumps oh, into Mary Hawkins man. and it's like, hey girl, remember when you uh lied? And just made this terrible situation. Well, just so you know, I thought we were friends and now I'm engaged and now I'm taking care of him, even though I have no bloody idea what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm going to give him more arsenic. (laughs) Because because I'm listening to this mom who has pretty much a colicky sick baby. No, no, it's... it's I'm gonna give it more I, I could try to get as, as like mousy as I possibly can. <laughs> but I was really proud of Mary. After Mary killed that guy, she's she's been keeping her shoulders right. back and she said, you know what? The only person I can be in charge of is myself. I'm gonna go marry the man that I want. I'm gonna go have sex with him before I'm married. Because whatever, guys, this is my life. And who runs the world? Girls. <laughs> she was chanting that the Beyonce have, song. That must have been like a little awkward, like awkward sex. If the guy can't breathe. <laughs> I think it was before he was this sick. I, I hope so. I hope so too. Well, I mean, just even that those scenes. How cool was that with Claire with the pipe and having Mary hold it over his mouth so right, that he could yeah. make sure to get in the medicine. Yeah. Once again, Claire being a healer, and I loved this. Granted, we didn't have a lot of Claire and Jamie, but I love Claire the healer. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like it is part of her character. So we, of course, are there with Alex Randall, and you hear him say, Johnny. Oh, man. And you see Blackjack Randall come in through the door, no uniform, hair put back, calls him, calls her Mrs. Miss, I'm sorry, Madam Fraser. It was a, a complete surprise. Yeah. A complete. And sometimes I feel like they tried to shoehorn in, like, I really felt like they tried to shoehorn in Blackjack Randall in France. Like they found, they tried to find a way to get him into the plot. And sometimes I feel like that. But this, to me, while it felt a little forced, it was good because I, I could make an excuse for it for him being the brother and actually caring yeah. for Alex the entire time. And to know that there is something there mm-hmm. in Blackjack Randall. There's the little Johnny. Not the el- <laughs> not, not, <laughs> little Blackjack Randall. <laughs> but I mean the little Johnny. Little Blackjack Randall is no longer there. Rest in peace. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Pieces. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hashtag John Wayne Bobbitt. Uh, but it was good to know. And, it, and this is this was the mastery of this episode, which was it took it took characters like Dougal and it took characters like Blackjack Randall, who you already have preconceived notions of, preconceived ideas that they are not the most uh, well-rounded or they are not the, the nicest characters in all of Outlander. And it made you feel for them. For a minute, and then you remembered. Oh, you just well, no, raped no, no. Fergus. Think... You raped uh, Jamie, and you're a terrible, horrible man. Oh, and you beat your dead brother at the end. Okay, well, we yeah, were but no, very no, no, easily but reminded. We're, but we're we're okay. But that's the arc here. That's, yes, that's the arc. That that's what makes this brilliant. You get all the feels for like one minute. <laughs> You do. He's taking care of them. He's helping out financially. Paying the bills. And even he even says, you know, I, I want to help them out, but uh, I, I'll do anything. He gives away seriously classified information to Claire in the hopes of saving his brother. Right. Here right. is a soldier. Right. And you know that it's completely... I mean, well, that that's a good question. Is that something that is completely against his character? Is Blackjack Randall selfish enough to not give a shit about the British army as long as his brother's taken care of or does blackjack Randall does that hurt him so much because he is such a, a soldier that he knows he has to do it and there's no way around it that's a good question it's one that I cannot answer you should ask herself yeah <laughs> I told you we're banning herself I already did it too bad <laughs> that that name the name herself can't, can't you know what this scene was really interesting for me is of course Mary says oh but he has to be alive and we get the pan down to her kind of like touching over her belly mm-hmm. and I want to be like you guys are both pregnant <laughs> by the way um I, I just have to say this I was right I was right and I'm awesome I'm the most awesomest person I've ever met in my life because I rocked that outlandish theory that it was Alex's kid and not Black Jack Randall's kid. I'm very proud of you. Oh, my God. I, I saw that and I, I jumped for joy out of my chair when I saw it. I'm very proud. You, oh, know, you know who else what? got a good outlandish theory? Who? Miss Claire. Because she's saying, guess what, Blackjack Randall? My outlandish theory is that you were going to die on April 16th. So uh. when he's drinking... And being all sorts of nasty. Oh, this, this all was a, sorts of this nasty. This is my second favorite scene of the episode. She he sits she sits there and he's he's you know just muddling things over and he says and what kind of life would that be with her? You know the monster that I am. And she's like, uh, well, wouldn't have to be too long of a life, right, buddy? <laughs> because you're gonna die. And he does this weird like loose eye. He has like a one eye wink kind yeah. of thing. Like, <laughs> oh God, you reminded me, you witch. That's I, just a couple days ago, a couple days from now. And he's so consistent with Blackjack's mannerisms, Tobias Menzies, yes. is, with the with the, with running his hands through through his hair like mm-hmm. he normally does, or the tongue flicks, or like he does this thing with his mouth, like it's like I don't know how to describe it. It's I just, can't do it. I tried it in a mirror, and I can't do any of those things. <laughs> and it's just the it's ah, oh, and it's the level that he brings to this character. And seeing Claire and Blackjack Randall together as frenemies Mm -hmm. really like they need each other they need each other but they fracking can't stand each other right yes and uh, for the fact that they have to be so polite the fact that he has come up to her so humbled and he knows he knows he can't give mary the life that she wants and even though he loves his brother so much 
Like, think of that torment within him. I want to take care of my brother. I need to take care of my brother. And I love my brother so much, I I don't want to put his potential wife mm-hmm. or my potential wife in this position. Yeah. And I absolutely adored what he did as a last ditch effort to Claire when he said, did Jamie tell you what I did to him mm. in Wentworth? Oh my effing It's God. on the same level as him beating dead Alex Randall. People said, why did he do that? And the thing is, is that Black Jack Randall seems to hate, and not seems, hates being vulnerable. Hates feeling sad. Yeah. He likes to be in control. He mm-hmm. likes to play the cat and the mouse. He doesn't like fate dictating anything in his life. Yep. So here is him. His knee-jerk reaction is to be vile. Mm-hmm. Is to be vile and so mad. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I thought was interesting is I feel like when we see Tobias Menzies in Outlander, we don't see him in Game of Thrones. Now, mind you, it has nothing to do with it, but I was like, oh, I wonder if we're going to see Tobias again on Game of Thrones this weekend. And we didn't. We no, didn't. We didn't. We and didn't. it's <laughs> And yet when we weren't seeing him in Outlander, we got to see him on Game of Thrones. Which was great. It was, but it was just funny. I feel like we always had our Tobias fix. I, I, I just loved watching uh, Tobias Menzies and Katrina Balfe on screen together. The close-ups. And the, the close-ups and how they were, like the chin, the, the chin acting from Katrina Balfe oh, is, yes. uh, is on fleek, okay? It, like, it, it's it's ridiculous. And watching those two, I, I'd probably say the most dynamic actor and actress combination on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes. I, 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 love, I love Sam Hewen. I think he's great. But I just feel like Katrina is a little bit more dynamic. Well, she gets to have this hatred quite frequently. Right. And so seeing, with- so seeing both of them, it, it brought me back to Garrison Commander. Mm-hmm. And- because it is conflict. It's not just Blackjack Randall. It's Frank, too. Right. There's so much depth to this. And she right. knows you have to do this. You have to make this happen. It's the only thing that you can do. And you're going to die in a couple of days. And, so whatever. And, and they bring it. they bring it back to this thing of... I'm going to tell you when you're going to die. You already know when you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be on Culloden. Guess what? That sucks, bro. But just to stick it back to her, he brings up Jamie. And he says, I know what he sounds like when he completely loses Ugh. control. Oh, my God. Like, That's disgusting. I can't, even, I can't even think about that. To wrap up the Claire and Blackjack conversation. Mm-hmm. So you know how Claire, of course, pretty much said to Alex Randall... Mary don't want no scrubs. <laughs> I feel like Claire should have just looked at at Blackjack Randall and said, "YOLO, <laughs> you only live once, <laughs> and you're dying in a couple of days." Oh so, the, the, I mean, we're going to talk about this more later this week. I am going to have to cut things a little shorter because I do have my little little lass Felicity with us. But this week was about di- dying brothers and their heirs. Who are going to actually be very? Who are important in the Outlander? You know, sure. Like the, the, the Outlander verse. Yes, the, these whole family dynamics. I mean, we're talking about two major families, and the fact both that, that are intertwined with Claire. So and the I know fact that Jamie is going to become the head of the Mackenzies. I mean, at least that's, that's implied, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now he has Loudly Brock. He okay. he has the Mackenzies. And what does that actually say? Here's another thing too. What does that actually say about his dealings now? With his with his grandfather, 
Listen, things are just going to be sticky for, for Red Jamie. Ooh, I'm just going to leave things at boy, that. So oh as a boy. reminder, Stars is going to be re-airing this season over the next week because the finale will not be airing until July 9th. It is time for the GBGs from the listeners. Lisa Cole Perkis is the good, the whole look and feel of the episode, muddy streets, dark rooms, grim music, exhausted faces. The whole atmosphere is getting us ready for Culloden. The bad, poor Jamie is still spinning his wheels, trying anything to change history. Whatever he tries with the Bonnie Prince comes to nothing. It's heartbreaking in the great was BJR is back and weirder than ever. <laughs> I love his interactions with Claire, Mary, and Alex. I'm glad they kept Jamie away from him, different than in the books. His internal agony was just fascinating to see. I loved how he was trying to ask Claire to help him, and he still could not resist digging her about Jamie. He can't help being who he is. I wonder if the prophecy will hold true on Culloden, or if the writer is going to do something different. Ooh, I like that. B.H. Rinaldi said the good was Claire's facial expressions and throat swallowing. When B. BJR asked her if she knew what he had done to Jamie. Great was Claire's declaration to BJR that she is a changed woman. And the bad was these deaths are a distraction from the anticipation of Culloden. Mm -hmm. Claire McCarthy says the good. Column confirmed my outlandish theory that Galus did not burn at the stake when implied in the Devil's Mark. Can I have a bell, please, Blake? Yes, you can. I will give it to you after. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can only have one sound effect at a time. I have to wonder if she was really burned after the baby was born, despite what Column says. I thought she'd somehow get back to the stones and go back to her own time. I also liked the warmth between Claire and Column and how he acknowledged that their marriage was good. Mm. I also liked the two storylines of the two sets of the brothers and Dougal's soliloquy. Really, really, Claire liked Murtaugh. Did you see how he reacted back to keep a sleepy Fergus from falling off the horse <laughs> as they rode into camp and how gently he placed a blanket on him once inside? I did catch that. So sweet of him to offer to marry Mary. Apparently, he feels he owes her more than Sandringham's head. The Aww. bad was the Bonnie Prince Charlie is an inco incompetent wuss. I think he only listens to Jamie because it gives him a chance to stroke Jamie's face. <laughs> he couldn't even lead his troops toward the battlefield. Why anyone is willing to follow him is beyond me and the great Tobias Menzies thank you he made it totally believable that he was capable of loving his brother yet the twisted sadist was never really gone from his face and eyes I asked how the power shifted from him to Claire I, I liked how the power shifted from him to Claire she's not afraid of him anymore and he needs her I loved the tavern scene when he is essentially told Claire that Mary was in danger from him I think he was asking her to save him from himself. Mm -hmm. He was being his usual cruel self when he asked Claire if Jamie had told her everything that happened in Wentworth, yet I think he was also genuinely curious how they survived as a couple. His pummeling Alex when he died was truly shocking, but I think he had no other way of expressing his grief. Alex was the one person who loved BJR and saw any good in him, and now he's gone. Also, BJR co committed treason by telling Claire where Campbell... Um, that's not Campbell. Whatever. But, but where the army was, where the troops were at the birthday party with the hats, <laughs> what they were planning. He Cumberland. Be, Cumberland, yeah. There you go. I'm like, that's it's not the Campbells. The Campbells are on the other you know side. What? Claire, he, this, that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, she got the bell from earlier anyway. Yay. Oh, winner. Ding, 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 ding. Well, no, she's going to get that. Okay. He will be hanged <laughs> if that's discovered. A huge price to pay, only to have Alex die. 
I really hope that Jamie or Claire gets to drain the blood out of him. It would be so unsatisfying if BGR is hanged for treason. Honorable mention to all the cast and crew who had to work on what looked like a miserably cold and wet weather. Well, Claire, you know what? You earned it. You got it. So this is yours. All right. You ready for the Kendra Thought of the Week? Yes. All right, let's do it. Mary and Blake, it's Kendra. Once I was finally able to get the Stars app working, I loved this week's episode. I love the war room strategy scenes and how haggard Claire looks. Speaking of battle strategy, it's becoming more and more apparent that the more Jamie tries to steer the Bonnie Prince away from Culloden, the more he seals their fate. Yes, the Jacobite army faced cannons and artillery far beyond anything they were prepared to defend themselves against. However, historically, the final nail in the coffin was that the battle took place the morning after their epic and pointless march. They hadn't slept, they hadn't eaten, it was like the walking dead in kilts. And our beloved Jamie spearheaded that midnight raid, which fizzled out so spectacularly. I'm going to say that in the Outlander universe, Jamie and Claire were the final catalysts which caused the massacre at Culloden. So if we look at it as if time is an endless loop, we can assume that Claire has always gone back, with the exception of the very first original timeline. In the original timeline, there is no Claire, because she doesn't yet exist. She doesn't go back and the uprising fizzles out. Jamie has no reason to be in Paris, and thus no one is blowing sunshine up the Bonnie Prince's bum to gain his trust. France never promises a red cent, and the prince goes back to Rome with his tail between his legs. 200 years later, Claire stumbles through the stones for the first time, and we get our season one story yet without all the foreshadowing of Culloden because it hasn't happened yet. They still run afoul of Blackjack and then flee to Paris, not to stop the rebellion, but because Jared Fraser offers protection. Jared tells Jamie about the Bonnie Prince's plans for a rebellion, and because Claire has no knowledge of such an occurrence because it never happened, Jamie, freshly pumped full of vengeful rage, is all for it and works with the prince to garner support and encourage France's monetary assistance via DuVernay. They head back to Scotland, but the money never arrives from France and the Jacobite army is slaughtered and the Highland culture decimated. By the time Claire pops up again in her 20th century life, the knowledge of Culloden exists because she and Jamie already made it happen. She goes through the stones and this time, when she and Jamie again flee to Paris, they have a new goal, cozy up to the prince and undermine the cause. Unfortunately, they don't have the foreknowledge that they were the vital cogs in the machine leading up to the massacre. So everything Jamie does reinforces the slaughter because his mere presence there has already set off the chain of events that brought them to that battlefield, facing certain death. That's all a very long-winded way of saying I love seeing the desperate spinning of the wheels as Jamie pleads with the officers to abandon the fight or to at least seek out Cumberland's army in their drunken revelry. In the end, though, this episode was owned by two pairs of brothers. Dougal's deathbed confession to Colum and the realization that his words came too late was shattered, uh, shattering in its sadness. We can all in some way understand how it feels to see our heroes humbled. For Dougal, it was seeing his older brother wither away to nothing and being powerless to help him. For Black Jack, it was realizing that the one person he allowed himself to truly love, his brother Alex, could see the blackness of his soul. 
When Alex confesses that he sees the evil exterior which has walled in the good man Alex knows must still somehow reside in his older brother, Blackjack visibly stiffens. It's clear he had no idea he was so transparent, and he stands there like the emperor who finally understands he's naked. The moment after Alex dies, you see the mask slip for just a brief flash. He almost cries and is so angry at his own emotional weakness that he lashes out and uses Alex's body as a punching bag. I believe it to be a mix of anger and also embarrassment that he nearly showed his weakness in front of Jamie. I feel like we are getting a few hints, Claire's wan appearance and bloodshot eyes, at pregnancy, but with the lack of intimacy, and I'm going to clarify here because there's been a ton of discussion spurred on by Janet Reynolds' fantastic piece that when I say we are lacking intimacy, I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about the emotional connection you can share only with someone whom you have been sexually intimate. The way you find reasons to touch them or share secret stories or jokes or just fall into one another when you're resting from your day, that too has gone. And it, in its place has been politics and plotting. To put it in literary terms, don't give us Dean Koontz when what we want is Stephen King. I'm excited about the finale in two weeks, but also sad. I don't know that we've built up enough emotional equity to really hit us where we live when everything goes down, but I'm hoping I'm wrong, and they've just been keeping their ace up their collective sleeves. I'm going to give this episode five kilts because it gave me so much food for thought and made me super long-winded just now. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, and I'll catch up to you all in two weeks. Salut. All right, Kendra, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's all we got for uh, the Kendra Thought of the Week. She rocks. She rules. She rolls. That's how, that's how, that's how we do it on Outlander Cast. But as much as Kendra rocks and rolls, <sighs> the best thing that's ever happened to humanity, if, if this was the rock and roll category, okay, this would be the Beatles to, to, to rock and roll. It's time for the Outlandish Theory of the Week. Well, the Outlandish Theory of the Week is brought to you by Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery. For over 60 years, Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery has been making traditional Scottish baked goods with contemporary flair. Throughout the second season of Outlander, they are offering a special, not mediocre, menu of Outlander-inspired delicacies, and they ship throughout the U.S., so check them out at Ackroyd'sBakery.com for more info. Tell them Mary and Blake sent you, and use the coupon code OUTLANDER to get 5% off of your purchase. Okay, so here it is. Here's the thing. I already gave you a good outlandish, early outlandish theory of the week, and I think I kind of like that one better than this one, unfortunately. I, it, it is what it is. Here's the thing. Claire had this great um, this great moment with Murtaugh when she says, but you could die next, I mean, you could die tomorrow or whatever during the battle. The Culloden's happening. Guess what? Murtaugh is going to die. This whole season, in my opinion, so far, well, it, uh, yeah, I'll let this, I'll let this, I'll, I'll, I'll come to the table with this. This whole season is transitioning out of Outlander season one. It's getting rid of old characters, ones that you love, ones that you hate. It's, it's moving on to a new uh, frontier for Outlander. It's taking 
just the bare minimum of, of, of people that you can go forward with. It's culling the herd, essentially. Even though I don't want them to kill Murtaugh, even though I don't like that they killed Angus, Colum is dead, uh, you know, Alex Randall, whatever, he's dead, Blackjack Randall, he's going to die. All of these things are going to happen, and it's because they're culling the herd. And Murtaugh, unfortunately, will be one of the herd. Charlie, what do you got for me? Mock me. Please hang up and try again. Are you ready to close out the show? All right, let's do it. things to talk about. We've got now a couple of weeks before the season finale on July 9th. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the 90 minutes. I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching actually all of Outlander, not just season one and not just season two, but season one and two. I'm excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> and I want to continue this conversation. We're going to be having another listener feedback episode. We're probably going to be having some more things going on in between. We're going to have a live cast coming up for the finale. We've got a lot of big things planned, especially as we head into another Droughtlander. But first and foremost, make sure that you head on over to the Outlander cast clan gathering on Facebook. Keep the conversations going. There's been awesome blog posts on the Outlander cast blog. I wanted to also take some time to thank all of you who took the time to vote for us in the podcast awards. It happened last night, which is why we're a little delayed and we didn't win, but it's okay. It's okay because we were still nominated for three different awards and that in and of itself is so freaking huge. <laughs> so huge. Out of thousands upon thousands of podcasts, we were in the top 10 in three different categories. So Blake and I are tickled pink and so thankful for all of your hard work. And I'm really excited to see how things go forward. But thank you for those who voted. And we just wanted to update you on those results. We're in the final stretch. That's it, maybe. Uh, you know what? Next, next episode, I'm going to have to have my 24 clock. That's it. Beep. Boop. Beep. <laughs> boop. You know, that, that, I'm, I'm bringing it. That's, that's the new sound effect I'm going to be doing. I'm not sure if I'm ready for the finale quite yet. Well, luckily, you don't have to be ready for it for an extra week. That's true. Thank God. Thank God. I got a time to sink in, baby. It does. It does. During our rewatch. So, as I said, reach out to us, guys. Let us know if there's anything in particular that you want during Droughtlander. And for those of you who are fans of The Leftovers on HBO, we're going to be still doing the Living Reminders podcast. And for those of you who are parents, or maybe you're grandparents, or maybe you're godparents, or maybe you just know someone who's pregnant who lives down the road... Blake and I have a podcast called Parent Cast, mm -hmm. and we're recording our second season of it. And it's all tips about new parents and new babies and the new lives together. And that is one of the podcasts that we were actually nominated for alongside with Outlander Cast. So right. it is a podcast awards nominated show. <laughs> and as I said, we're in the midst of recording our second season of that. So don't worry, guys. We're going to be with you for Droughtlander, and oh, we're yeah. on other shows. And I just. I just uh, love you all. Gilmore Girls. Oh my let's God. Not, let's not forget about that. We cannot forget about our Gilmore Girls. And we, we also have a couple of other shows that we're, we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're not ready to make that, not ready to make that announcement yet, but we're working on it. We'll see what happens. But Gilmore Girls is definitely happening. It is. All right. So until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast.